We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. Nam Hard away! Yeah, baby! Got it! The rookie out of Gonzaga! Yeah. Hits a three in the buzzer! Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. My goodness, what a phenomenal victory last night from the Indiana Pacers. Andrew Nimhard with the game-winning buzzer beater. Fachi, you fell asleep on me watching it live, but you caught back up in the morning. What a game. I did, regretfully. <laughs> fell asleep at halftime. I battled. I tried to stay up as long as I could. But when I woke up, I could not believe what I missed. And it's something I got to live with for the rest of my life. But, man, that was a win. That was – this could be a turning point in this season because mm-hmm. we talked about it. That performance against the Clippers was downright disgusting. And I wanted to see how the Pacers would respond. And clawing back from a 17-point deficit in the fourth quarter to hit a game-winning shot, Andrew Nemard in LeBron's face, that – was a statement win last night. Fachi, this is better than any storyline you could have written up oh for a movie. God. This is an epic way to go out at crypto.com, right? Uh, formerly <laughs> yeah, Staples exactly. Center, right? Exactly. It sounds this better. is the way you make a name for yourself. And I don't care what happens the rest of the season. Andrew Nimhard's never going to forget this moment. And the league's never going to forget this moment because of how special it was. After he drills that three, everybody rushes the court. And then look who you see in the court. Corner of my eye, I'm like, who's that guy in the suit running over? Kevin Pritchard. Unbelievable. Sprint to the huddle. He's jumping up and down. TJ McConnell looks at him with a smile on his face like, what are you doing out here? And then he's like, who cares? We just won the game. I mean, this is exactly what you're wanting from this young team is to have these special moments. Look, Fachi, I don't know if it's a turning point or not. 
I don't really know what's going on with this team in terms of the long-term future. But right now I know that we have the third toughest schedule remaining. So the games are going to get tougher. The Lakers, to me, are not a particularly tough team. So I'm not counting this win as like, oh, my gosh, we're about to win the championship or make a deep playoff run. But I'm enjoying this special win because for a young guy like Andrew Nimhard to have this moment that early on in his career is something that is so special. Oh, my God. That memory for Nemhard, it will never leave. He will always, always remember hitting the game-winning shot in LeBron's face in his rookie season. But when you talk about Pritchard storming onto the court like a crazed <laughs> fan, that was one of the best moments of the year by far, one of the best moments in recent years, because seeing that excitement out of him and, and sitting back and, and you know what it took to get the Pacers to kind of make these changes over here and to see it all kind of pay off right now, that was amazing to see. It's something that I watched over and over again and kept cracking up to myself. But, man, I mean, just last night, and, and I always like to say this, and I've said it to you before, I judge when we're making noise by how many non-Pacer fans reach out to me. And I had so many non-Pacer fans. My boss at my job said, what a win last night. Didn't you <laughs> Didn't you have that guy on the show? And I was like, yes, we did. We brought the people, Andrew Nemhard early on, and he made a name for himself that people will not forget. But that's the kind of win last night that puts the Pacers on the map, gets them properly talked about. Guys like Tyrese Halbert, Benedict Matherin, who are balling out, need to get the recognition they deserve. And last night is exactly how they do it. I mean, after the game was over, the Lakers press conference, I listened to some of it. Anthony Davis didn't say it too much. Russell Westbrook said absolutely nothing. LeBron James really said nothing either. But he did refer, LeBron James that is, referred to Tyrese Halliburton as an elite point guard. He wishes he had a point guard like that. Tyrese Halliburton has been phenomenal, Fachi. Oh, my God. I think one thing that's a little bit overlooked is the game-tying layup that he had. Yep. Right? Uh, Anthony Davis missing that free throw at the end was huge massive because it, it made it a, a three-point game. Was it a two-point game? I can't remember. Three-point game. Three-point game. I, everything's running together. Well, it was a two-point game, hit the three for the win. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's just one of those things. Anthony Davis kept us alive by, you know, missing one of those free throws. The Pacers made good plays. Like, I thought there for a second, you know, when when Buddy Heald missed that first tip in and then Matherin had the second tip in that didn't go, then they had to foul Davis. I thought, oh, man, that was the game. That was their chance. They were down 17 points in the fourth quarter. Man, so close, but they just could not get it. And then Miles Turner, wide open three. I thought, oh, this will be huge for Miles. All the rumors going on with him and the Lakers. What a massive opportunity for him. Just a bit short, but Benedict Matherin getting his hand on that ball, tipping it out to Tyrese. Tyrese, I made the pass to, to Nimhard with 1.4 seconds remaining on the clock. Rob Perez, worldwide Wob, everybody knows him. Mm-hmm. He said if Mather, or excuse me, if Halliburton does not make a precise pass that is absolutely perfect, this game is over. The Pacers do not win. Because his pass was so crisp and so perfect, it just fell right into the hands of Nimhard, who was in the shooting motion basically as soon as he got it. I mean, I was so tired this morning when I woke up for work, Fachi. I had to leave and be at work by 7 o'clock. I didn't go to bed till 1.45 last night, and adrenaline was just too high. I could not sleep after that game. It was just such a fun victory, and the way they came back, Matherin dominating the game there for spurts uh, at a time, and Neesmith having a great game after we talked about him a little bit. You know, it was just really cool to see. 
No, it really was. And for, for Tyrese Halliburton, you talk about that pass. I mean, I I can't believe Nemhard got that shot off in yeah. time. It was that quick. The easy thing would have been Buddy Heald was what felt like a foot next to Halliburton, maybe. Yeah. But he I don't know if he saw him or not, whatever it is. Halliburton's got that court vision right now that you can't teach. It, it's it's just it's ingrained in him. It's now in the stats. Over the last three games, 60 points, 40 assists, zero turnovers. Mm, say that I, again? I mean, 60 points, 40 <laughs> assists, zero turnovers over his last three games. That's, That's video game stats, and you'd be lucky if you could even do that in a video game. That's the crazy thing. And if you want to even take it a step further over his last three and a half games, it's 48 assists and zero turnovers. I don't know when we're ever going to see something like this again, but man, I I feel like it would be criminal to not have Tyrese Halliburton on your all-star roster. And I know it's not even December yet, but the way this guy's playing, the way he's elevated the Pacers, everybody is, is taking notice that there is a star in the making in Indiana right now. And there could be a second one on his way because Benedict Matherin, he had the bullseye on his back. Calling out LeBron in the beginning. How would he respond? Alex, the man responded last night. He he was tit for tat, whatever you want to call it, step for step with LeBron and ends up outscoring him in the game. And he was more efficient doing it. Outscored him, outrebound him, had a better plus minus. He was a plus seven. LeBron was a Ooh. minus seven. So, you know, that was great to see. Yeah, I, I think you, you're spot on with Tyrese Halliburton. Someone asked me, like, do you think Halliburton should be an all-star? It's like, well, I think he should. But at the same time, it's like we've got to wait and see what happens. And we know as we get closer to all-star voting, they care a lot about win-loss record in terms of coaches' picks and stuff like that. So I'm curious. I mean, I think he definitely deserves to be. There's no doubt about it in my mind. But we'll see what the coaches think when they vote. I don't know if he'll be a starter or not, but it looks like a lot of people across the league really like him. So so maybe. But I will say this. Kendrick Perkins put him in his oh, top five love for that. candidates of the season. So, you know, carry on, right, as, as Perkins would <laughs> yep. say. But, uh, you know, I, I love I love Perkins. He's a hilarious character on television for sports analysis. I don't really always agree with his analysis, but uh, I agree with this one. Tyrese Halliburton, top five for MVP. But, yeah, just an awesome game, Fachi. I mean, the way the Pacers claw back being down 17 against a team that's been playing better, LeBron coming back, I thought, you know, he might be out for the game with that ankle injury that he suffered in the first half. He came back, played through it. Uh, Westbrook had some nice moments in this game. Anthony Davis was really good in this game as well. So I thought, okay, if we lose this game, it won't shock me. But, you know, just the fact that we were down 17, it just felt like we weren't going to be able to get over that hump. And then little by little, the Pacers do what they do. They just chip away. They chip away. They chip away. Got that lead down to single digits and then just kept chipping again, chipping again. And they eventually got over the hump got the game within one, and, and that was what they needed. They needed this type of game to just give them some more confidence on this road trip because Sacramento is going to be a huge game, Fachi. Uh, they've got some other big ones here on the road trip. So this was one they really kind of needed if you're really hoping them that they can maybe sneak into the playoffs. This was the perfect response from what we saw against the Clippers because it just felt like you know, Zubox, who, who's <laughs> basically committing history, against us and the Pacers had their worst offensive showing and then they, they make it happen against the Lakers and Alex I could be crazy but it felt like this made up 
for the lack of the four-point winning play by Chris Duarte last year against the Lakers to have Nemhard win it at the buzzer on a three. It felt like justice for what we were robbed from last year. Hey, that's a good point. Or you could even say that we we're paying uh, homage to Reggie Miller's 57-point game against Very the Hornets true. that happened okay. yesterday. Back or not yesterday, but it happened on yesterday's <laughs> yes. date back in the 80s, right? I forget the exact date. It's like 1992, I think it was. Was it 92? Right it was, there, I believe okay. it was. Yeah, so like 20-some years ago, 30 years ago, Reggie has his highest-scoring game ever as a Pacer, and it's the highest in Pacers NBA franchise history. Not ABA. I think ABA was George McGinnis, if I'm not mistaken. They put a graphic up yesterday. But, yeah, I mean, good old Reggie dropping 57 against the Hornets on the same day that Andrew Nimhart hits a game-winner in L.A. Uh, those are going to be some remarkable look-back in history over time uh, moments. But, yeah, other than that, I mean, I just thought – Awesome win. Love to see the energy. Loved how they uh, they, they just mobbed him in the press conference, or not the press conference, but the post-game interview with J.J. Water bottles everywhere. He didn't run around like uh, Aaron Neesmith or, you know, have his head turned like T.G. McConnell. He just took it, and I think the fro maybe helped him a little bit not get as cold so quick, but uh, just loved seeing it. He was embracing it, and I think he even said in the interview um, that he had never had a game winner with the buzzer beater going off, so your first one ever to be against LeBron James in Los Angeles, you, you can't make a better storyline than that. You, you truly can't. And look, there's something special or, or it just means a little bit more beating LeBron after everything that we've been through. <laughs> and then LaSauer, whatever you want to call him, runs to social media, puts up a post that he ends up deleting. Yeah, I, I don't I, know if it was about that. I don't know if it was, but whatever it was, it, it felt like there was something about that loss that really kind of got him in his feelings a bit. And he ended up deleting it. I don't remember the exact thing, but there was, you know, talking about the gold standard and, you know, being, what was it? Do you remember what about it was? About corny. Okay. I'll look it up real quick. Hold on. Go ahead. Keep talking. Yeah. No, it was like corny. It seems like corny is the new gold standard around here. Blah, blah, right. blah. What do you got? Yeah. So being corny, chasing cloud is the gold standard. It's literally rewarded these days. I don't. I didn't come up like this. It's so weird, man. Corny as hell. That's what he said. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Some people were, you know, hypothesizing. Is, does that have anything to do with Benedict Matherin? Is it? I don't know exactly what it is. Whatever it is, hold that L, LeBron. All right. You, maybe you'll get us next time. You've gotten us before, but this one, this one's ours. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing. It just felt so good to finally get one on him. I don't care if it's year 20 for LeBron or not. Doesn't matter. It, to me. It's just, you know, he's one of those guys that he's always had our number. Oh, so yeah. it's nice to be on the other end of it and see him take the loss. But yeah, I'm just really happy for the guys. I mean, that's all I really care about is how excited these guys looked after that victory. And, you know, Benedict Matherin, I mean, just his excitement after that game, too. Like he was like, you know, sometimes people think, oh, well, you know, if Matherin's not the hero, is he going to be as excited? Like, no, this dude's like genuinely excited. Jumping up and down, I mean, mobbing the boys. More excited than Nimhart. Exactly. exactly. I mean, Matherin loves to win at the end of the day. That's all that matters to him. So if it's him making the shot or Nimhart, uh, you know, we were texting and I was like, man, if Matherin would have been the guy to make that three, <laughs> that would have been insane over LeBron just after oh, all yeah. the comments. But, you know, it, it was still fantastic, Fachi, and I, I think this is a good time for us to wrap up that post-game conversation.
No, it really is. And when you talked about, you know, maybe how Nemhard wasn't uh, going as well as some other ones, he had a quote. It's basically he said, I think you stay calm because you work in the gym for those type of moments. You've got to just bring your confidence. And when it comes, you just got to step up for the team in that way. It's a great team win. I mean, this is like what every player dreams of. And maybe even you can't even really dream this type of moment. But Nemhard stayed ready. And we talked about the Pacers needed him back. Over those games that he was out, look, it's not like everything, you know, went down the drain, but it was like, and we'll talk about it with Bob, that Nemhart is playing his role so well that he fits this team perfectly right now. So, hey, who better to get that that shot right over here than the rook that was overshadowed by, you know, Benedict Mather and just some of our other offseason moves? Oh, yeah, for sure. And I mean, he even talked about it. He thought he was going to go earlier in the draft mm-hmm. when we had him on our podcast earlier in the uh, in the offseason. So um, if you have not already checked out that interview with Nimhart, he kind of gave you a little foreshadowing of what was to come because he can he said, I can play on or off the ball. With the way offense is being played in today's NBA, I feel like I'm perfectly fit for that. And wow, he's really improved that. Uh, not improved that. He's really proved that yes. throughout, throughout this early season. So I've been really impressed, Fachi. I think he's been fantastic. And, and like you said, he's kind of been that missing piece that we've needed to close out some of these games that have been right there in the balance. And uh, we've been waiting for that fifth guy to go with Heald, Turner, Matherin, and Halliburton. And, and so far, when he's out there, it just feels like that group is clicking. Absolutely. He's calm, cool, and collected. Whatever you, Whatever's needed, he's going to get it done. All right, everybody. We're going to take a quick break when we come back. Everyone's favorite from The Athletic, Bob Kravitz. And yes, we are going to talk about Miles Turner and whether or not Bob has an agenda to try to get him out of Indiana. So hope you guys enjoy this conversation. We talk other stuff too, but uh, we will talk about that as well. We'll be right back after this. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, everybody, joining us now on Setting the Pace. He is a familiar guest, joined us a lot during the offseason, and it's our first time to talk to him this regular season. 
doing double duty, covering both the Colts and the Pacers for the Athletic. It's everyone's favorite, Bob Kravitz. Bob, how you doing, man? I am everybody's favorite. <laughs> I mean, just ask my wife. I mean, for God's sake. Yeah, yeah, good to see you, boys. Yeah, absolutely, man. So, I mean, let's just jump into it. I was listening to the press conference. I think you were at the game Monday last week against the Magic, and mm -hmm. McConnell had a really nice game off the bench. And you kind of said, you guys have impressed me more uh, than I thought this that you guys would be, right? You thought this team probably would be maybe like three or four wins, five wins now, but they've just been playing great basketball. They've really impressed. So looking at this team from your vantage point, uh, what have you thought has been the key to them having such success? Well, first of all, yeah, I've been absolutely blown away by how they've played, how well they've played with uh, how much passion they play with, how much togetherness. It's really been fun to watch. Um, I think it starts with Tyrese Halliburton. I think he's the head of the snake with this group. And, you know, with him playing like an, a most improved player, uh, I would think the leader in the clubhouse for most improved player, um, and an all-star, by the way. Um, you know, he, he he gets everything moving in the right direction. I mean, that pass uh, that he made cross-court to Andrew Nemhard was sick. Yeah. Just sick. How he saw him, I have no idea. Nine guys out of ten would have passed to the short corner with Buddy Heald standing there, knocked down three-point shooters. So, um, I think it starts with Halliburton, and then a lot of guys – have clearly defined roles. And I think Rick Carlisle deserves a lot of credit for taking a team that was supposed to tank and making them a contender all of a sudden. All valid points. And right now, I mean, the win over the Lakers, it felt like a statement, potentially season-defining win. You know, I know we're only a quarter of the way there, but do you think it changes the direction for the Pacers? Because we talked about it. Expectations were not high. Now, the Pacers currently sit in the fourth spot. They've impressed just about everybody. Do you think it changes their direction for the rest of the season? It, it, it cannot. Um, and we'll, I'm sure we'll get to more Miles Turner talk. But I thought about this last night uh, after, the, after I got done writing the Colts and I was sitting there thinking about the Pacers. And you still have to move Miles Turner. He is a free agent at the end of the year. Um, there's no reason to believe he's going to sign an extension here. I don't know that the Pacers are interested in, in signing him to the kind of money he's going to demand. He is playing lights out. He's been absolutely great. Season best. I think part of it is it's a contract year. And I think a bigger part of it is that he's being used in a way as a full-time five. He's not stuck with DeMontis Sabonis down, uh, you know, on the floor. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it would be a mistake to completely fall in love with the idea uh, of contending uh, with this team and understand it's not about this year. I'm not saying tank. I'm just saying move forward without Miles or, you know, move him. Uh, I forget what the, what the trade deadline is, February something. But, um, yeah, I think – I think we got they got to be careful not to fall in love with this and lose sight of the bigger picture. I mean, yeah, the, the big question mark here is does Miles want to extend in Indiana? Obviously, there was a report that came out, I believe it was in Friday night's game, that he was switching agencies uh, right, from right. BDA Sports to CAA, which is 
who Tyrese Halliburton is represented by, Daniel Tyson. There's like four or five other guys, Chris Duarte. Um, a lot of them are, you know, represented by CAA now. So just curious, does that agency change make any impact on, on maybe him re-upping with the Pacers? I know that you said you should still not be so, like, short-sighted with what's going on and, and still look to move him because you don't want to lose him for nothing. But at the same time, he's fitting really well with this team, Bob. Oh, he has. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, everything – Everything he's done has been positive. Um, no, I, I think – I don't know the answer to whether him changing agencies is going to have any impact or what – I think it will have an impact. Mm-hmm. What that impact will be, I, I honestly don't know. And I wish I could give you a, a smarter answer. Uh, one of our guys at The Athletic, I think it was Law Murray, asked him about changing uh, representation – and what he said, uh, you know, I'm paraphrasing here, uh, was I'm just trying to optimize what, you know, optimize my situation, which tells me he's going into free agency, you know. Yeah. So, look, I mean, at some point we can guess and, and, and speculate all we want, but at some point uh, Pritchard is going to have to have a, another heart-to-heart with Miles and say, look, has anything changed? Do you want to stay and then move on from there? But if he's not, if if there's not that mutual interest and in, in, you know him staying for the kind of money that he's going to demand, um, then I think you've just got to you've you've got to cut the cord. Yeah, I don't know how common it is for someone to switch agents and then re-sign with the same team, especially everything you just mentioned. You know, it all adds up to at least testing free agency and most likely potentially signing and elsewhere. Why, why wouldn't he? Go get, you know, as the kids say, go get your bag. But one thing that I think is kind of unique, and I think Miles Turner might have even said this himself, is that, and I've heard a few players say this on the team, is that this group feels different because it feels like they're playing for each other rather than just an individual. Do you think that's potentially a little bit of shade being thrown at Sabonis, who had been you know, maybe accused of stat padding in the past, or is it just kind of a coincidence? Uh, I think it's a coincidence. I, I don't – look, you know, DeMontis is a very good player here. And, and by all accounts, a real decent guy. And I don't think he was throwing shade. I, I think we might be looking for something that doesn't exist. I think he's just talking generally – about the team they've got now and how much he enjoys playing with them. I mean, he, he might have been throwing shade at Brogdon. Might have been Should throwing be. shade at somebody else. So, no, this, this is this is a team that gets along well. But I just think that Miles, not only does he want the bag, he wants to be in a bigger media market. He enjoys, you know, you know the the being out front, uh, being available, uh, talking to media. I, I think he wants just a bigger market, and I. Look, I can't. I can't take that. You know, this is not like Oladipo. This is not like PG. He's not wangling his way out of here. I just think he understands that there's more money uh, and a higher ceiling to his financial future elsewhere in this league. Yeah, it's interesting because you know, like the Pacers do have another young center they're very interested in, and Isaiah Jackson and what he can become as well. Uh, and you could probably even say it, at times Jalen Smith might be better suited to play the five. As we've seen down the stretch, Carlisle has yeah. opted to, to go with a smaller lineup and, and keep Jalen out of the lineup uh, towards closing minutes. And, and they're seeing Mather kind of play that four, uh, surprisingly, even though how small he is in terms of height. So 
I'm just kind of curious, you know, your thoughts on like what you heard from Pritchard, maybe in your conversation with him in the offseason to now, uh, what you've kind of noticed from him, maybe anything different if you've talked to him, uh, him running on the court last night after the victory to celebrate with the guys. I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, you said it, you don't want to be so short-sighted with the early season success that you, you know, lose sight of the bigger picture, which is continuing right. to be better with young players. So I guess just my weird way of asking this, just like, how do you think they view this team now versus maybe the beginning of the season? I think the really important thing is that Herb Simon does not get involved because I think Herb, who has studiously avoided tanking uh, over the years, he wants to produce the best team he possibly can. And I think that's very noble. And I think it's served uh, the Pacers fans well over the years. But he can't fall so in love with this group that he would say, no, we're keeping Miles no matter what. You know, I mean, look, if Miles is not interested in staying, and I don't know that the Pacers are interested in keeping him at the price he's asking, then it makes no sense to keep Miles beyond – the trading deadline. But the question, I think, because I think the Turner thing is a fait accompli, the bigger question is what do they do with Buddy Heald? Because I think Buddy Heald is a guy who, even though he's a little older, I think he fits in well with this team. Mm -hmm. And he's got a skill, namely outside shooting, three-point shooting, that doesn't tend to diminish over the years. You think about all the really strong three-point shooters – they all went deep into their 30s, you know, Reggie and Ray Allen and guys like that. So um, I could see them growing and moving forward with Buddy Heald. But again, if you need to match Buddy Heald with Miles Turner in a trade to get some future assets, I think you got to think long and hard about that. Yeah, I mean, that, that extra year of, of Buddy Heald's contract, it's really not a killer. It's it's just below $19 million, which is an easy pill to swallow. It's not like substantial number over here that the players seem to love him. But overall, I mean, when you're talking about the Pacers, it always felt like, hey, it could be a hard free agent destination. So you really got to hit the draft right. I feel like that's right. exactly what we've seen the last couple of years. But in specific, in the last two years, this year, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nemhard. They have very much produced, I'd say, past anyone's expectations. Beyond beyond be. all rational expectations. Absolutely. I don't think anyone could have predicted this, but you know, how how much does a how much of a better position does this put the Pacers in for years to come, knowing you might have hit on a superstar in Benedict Matherin, and Andrew Nemhard has played his role fantastically this year. I love Andrew Nemhard. Uh, I went to uh one of the preseason games. And I texted Carlisle after the game. I said, I think Andrew Nemhart is a stud. I mean, I think he can really play. And I won't tell you what he told me back, but suffice to say that he, he's been impressed. And he's become more and more impressed. He's just a guy. He's like a chameleon. He He's able to shape his game perfectly to go along with the other four guys on the floor. Agreed. If that makes any sense. It does. You know, it, no matter what style you play, no matter what personnel you've got on the floor, Nem and Nemhard's got kind of this old, old guy game. You know, not a great athlete necessarily, but he's got an old guy game that you see at the YMCA, great on the high pick and roll, understands angles, the geometry of the game. 
So, yeah, I mean, Nemhard, Matherin, obviously, we could talk more about him. Isaiah Jackson. Um, Al, you know who's impressed me, too, is uh, Aaron Neesmith. I didn't know the first thing about Aaron Neesmith when he came here, and he's been a nice player. You know, not a, not one of their top players, certainly, but he's gotten a significant amount of run, and he uh, I was out at the game uh, a couple – about a week ago, he had 23 points, played – really well. So uh, they they are in a much, much more advantageous position now than they were in this time last year. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point that you bring up there about Neesmith. We've kind of had like some lukewarm feelings about him, I think you could say, for the last couple of weeks, just because he's been, had really good moments. Like last night, he played oh. really good against the Lakers. And then other times, he disappears. I think in the five, the starting five lineup, when he's been in there instead of Nimhard, they're like a minus five or a plus five or something like that. It's like, it's okay. It's not bad. It's not great either. I right, think he's right. he's just he's a good role player. I think that's where he's going to fit in. Defensively, I've liked him a lot more than I have offensively because he's been so inconsistent with the shot. But, you know, describing Nimhart as a chameleon is a perfect way to describe his game because he can fit in in any position you put him in, whether it's backup point guard, whether it's, you know, playing off ball with Tyrese and Buddy and, and Matherin mm-hmm. and guarding LeBron. It's just, it's really impressive. But you know, you said, let's talk about Benedict Mathern here. We can talk about yeah. as just a individual Stud. conversation. I mean, this kid is not afraid of anything. Nope. I love the irrational confidence that he has. Maybe it's not irrational because he performs so well, but I just love how confident he is in, him, in himself and never afraid of the moment. And recently we've started seeing it more and more. He's playing to the crowd more, trying to get them excited mm-hmm. and get them going. So, Talk to me a little bit about Mather and what you've seen so far from him this season. Yeah, irrational confidence is is perfect, and he's got another um, another aspect about his personality. And I've talked with some people in the Pacers, and they say it's like a Jimmy Butler type of defiance, mm. which I thought you know it, it's kind of like you will you will not get the best of me. He's just got this incredible will to impose impose himself and his game on the opponent. And Pacers, I think you got to go back to Ron Artest, really, to think about somebody who was kind of a dog, you know. Yeah. And, and I'm not talking about Jeff Foster, but, you know, but, but you know, I mean, really a dog. Yeah. And, and, you know, the stuff he said about LeBron, I didn't think it was that big of a deal, but it was kind of fun. And I was like, it's nice to see this guy from little old humble Indiana you know, taking on the king and not paying proper deference to the king. That yeah. was great. And then he outscored him last night. I did not see the game except for the final possession. We were up in the press box writing, so I did not see the game. Um, but, you know, I saw he outscored him, and, and he played, you know, what did he shot eight for something, eight for 20 or something. No, it was, that was LeBron. He, he, yeah. he, he played well. No, he did. He was more efficient from the field, out-rebounded him by right. one. I think he outscored him by one over and got the win. Uh, so right over there. The and then, small detail, he was the one that batted out the rebound after the Turner miss, which, you know, it's it's it, no one's going to talk about that, but that was a huge play that kept the game alive. So Absolutely. I thought that was awesome. But right now, in the beginning, when we, when we started this, you know, you were, you were talking about Tyrese Halliburton being an all-star. 
I feared that the difference would be if the wins aren't there, then he might not get into the game. Right. But if the Pacers can continue winning, at least hovering around 500, would it be a crime to not have Halliburton in this all-star game, the way that he's playing and the way that he's elevated the play? Because, Bob, they're talking about 40 assists to zero turnovers over the last three games. That's an NBA record. It's something that I don't know when we're going to see again. Well, you just gave me something from my column, and I, I will not credit you. Because All right, it's I'll take it. <laughs> no, no I, I did not know that. I did not know that it was 40 and zero. That's that's remarkable. And he's not playing scared or careful basketball. I mean, he's try he's you know making high risk passes, but he's he's getting the ball where he needs. I mean, again, the pass to Nemhard, you know, and Nemhard was just ready to take that shot. Of course, the the clock was down to next to nothing, but um he's been he's been utterly terrific. I, I've been so impressed. Uh, you know, I thought he was a good player on a bad team uh the last couple of years, but we are seeing elements that he's grown in his game uh in so many different ways. And and he's surrounded by better people now. He's he's not stuck with that uninspiring, unwatchable group that we had to watch last year. I'm curious. Um, you, you talked about Rick Carlisle and the impact he's had on this team. What do you think Carlisle is doing that's helping this team grow so quickly? Well, I mean, I, I think he, he's created a, a culture of accountability. Um, you know, he, he's he's a hard ass, and he, he always has been. Um, one thing that I've noticed, you know, when he was here the first time, he called he called almost every play. When's, how often do you see Rick Carlisle call plays? Not very often. Nowadays. Not very often. And that's – but that's today's basketball. And I think what he's done is he has evolved as the game has evolved, you know, necessarily so. And, you know, the, the new game is, is a lot different from the game that I remember as an old fart. Um, you know, now it's all, cor- you know, sh- uh, three-pointers three from the corner – um, or layups, you know, and, you know, I remember the days when the mid-range game was a big deal. That doesn't seem to be the case anymore. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's all, all right. good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Rick. Yes, Rick, we're back. Okay. My brain's working again. <laughs> yes. Uh, so yeah, I just think, I, look, Rick, Rick's going to be in the Hall of Fame. Rick, Rick is one of the top coaches in the NBA. I think the Pacers were super fortunate to get him when they did. And look, he's turned teams around quickly before he did it. He did it with the Detroit Pistons. They were a 32-win team when he took over there. And I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I believe they uh, had 50 wins. They did. You know, the, the, the very next season. So, look, the guy's a good coach. He is. I mean, when you want to talk about two uh, defining moments, I felt like it was bringing in Rick Carl after the Napier era, one year, whatever you want to call it, and making the trade for Tyrese Halliburton really turned things around for the better. I think we'll look back on those two moves as a real pivotal point in this franchise based on and, where they've been. And and yet, you know, you think about trades and, you know, uh, you say it's been great for the Pacers, and that usually means it's been a horrible trade for their trading partner. This has been a great trade for both teams. And that's that's my way 
of promoting a story that Sam Amick and another writer whose name escapes me right now have in The Athletic right now looking back and discussing the Halliburton uh, Sabonis trade. And it truly has worked out best. Great for both teams. Both teams are, are exceeding expectations. And that doesn't happen that often in this league. No, you're you're right, and it's going to be awesome to see the Pacers and the Kings face off against each other Wednesday night, which probably will be tonight when most people are listening to this. So it's going to be a, a really fun matchup. There's so many storylines here. Uh, Tyrese coming back, Buddy coming back, Miles versus Domas, uh, Mathern versus Keegan Murray, and then uh, another yes. small one. Uh, you got Mike Brown and Rick Carlisle coaching against each other. So I just feel like this game's got a ton of storylines to it. I'm looking forward to it, Bob. And uh, I know it's probably tough double dipping covering both the Colts and the Pacers. Nah, hey, I I got a great job, boys. I'll, I'll never complain about it. I'll, I like I like having different stuff. I'm doing IU North Carolina Wednesday night. Oh yeah. Um. So yeah, I'll miss the Pacers game again. I've got the Big Ten championship game with Purdue uh, against Michigan on Saturday night. So it never oh, gets old. Boy. Something new every day. There you go. So, yeah, lots there to be looking out for on The Athletic from Bob and his coverage of that. But uh, I, I think it'd only be right for us to end this with Miles Turner once again, just because there's been a lot of hoopla around how you personally feel about him. And it, a lot of people have said after we've had you on, like, Bob has an agenda to get Miles out of him. Oh, God. And that, I just that, want that's, you to, that's so wrong. That's I just so want wrong. you to address that. Sure. Uh, look, I, I've had nothing but – uh, good conversations, not you know. I mean, just media conversations. We have, yeah. we we don't sit down and you know grab a glass of wine and and, and talk about life. But uh, he's always been perfectly fine with me. Uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know he wasn't. He was just an average player for a long time, and uh, you know this year he's really come into his own for a lot of different reasons, which we've discussed, but. I have no agenda against against that guy. My only point uh, remains that you know if, if, if they've got to move him before the trade deadline. Uh, anything else? Uh, assuming again that he doesn't change his mind and suddenly want to come back to the Pacers, and the Pacers decide they want to have him back yeah. at the price that he wants. So no, I, there's there's nothing there. I mean, there are some guys I really dislike it. Uh, in sports, but he's not one of them. He's been great, total pro, very, very intelligent young man. Um, so I, I just look at it from the X's and O's point of view that you can't afford to lose him for nothing, period. And it's, it it just doesn't get any more complicated than that. No doubt. Got to do what's best for business at the end of the day. Bob, I really appreciate you coming on. Tell everybody where they could find some of your awesome work on social media. Well, go to theathletic.com or, you know, get the app or whatever. Um, it is a subscri subscription site. So if you do uh, want to subscribe, uh, I think we're currently having our dollar a month uh, sale, mm -hmm. Black Friday sale, even though it's whatever day it is, Tuesday. Um, so um, it's a good deal right now. So, you know, call up at theathletic.com, go into one of my columns, subscribe, and everybody will be happier. Awesome, man. Well, thank you so much for coming on, and uh, thanks for addressing all the questions that we had, and uh, we hope to Not do it again soon. Okay, sounds good, boys. Take Appreciate care. Appreciate you. All right, Fachi, there it was, Bob Kravitz. 
Thought he brought up some really interesting points. I know that he's very busy covering a lot of sports here in Indiana, so he's not going to be able to like be as thorough watching every single Pacers game. But I still trust his pulse with the team and what's going on, the relationships he has. Like him telling us that he texted Carlisle about Nimhart after a game. Like I just feel like he's very much in the know of what's kind of like going on, has an idea of what they're thinking. But, you know, once again, he's just like, yeah, Miles has been great, but you just can't lose him for nothing. And unless Miles wants to extend, then you have to trade him. I think that most fans would probably understand that logic, but I know that every day we're on Twitter, extend Miles, pay this man. Um, if he doesn't, if he doesn't want to be here or doesn't want to sign early, I just don't know what you do, Flash. It's tough. If the Pacers are to trade Turner, I would strongly imagine that they know that he was not going to resign. Yeah. Uh, because look, you got to trust the front office at the end of the day that they have a better pulse on things than we do. But when you look at a team like the Toronto Raptors that wrote it out with Kawhi, they made the trade and then they wrote it out. Uh, look, they took that risk. They thought that they could win a championship. They did. And then they lost Kawhi Leonard for nothing. Uh, and then it took, you know, they're still trying to recover from I that. Would, I would do that every day, though. If that meant that yes. A championship. I don't think Miles is at that level yet. That's exactly what I was about to bring up. We're not at that level. All right. It's not like. We're uh, keep this team together for this year and we could ride this out and win a championship. It's more like, hey, if we keep this team together and ride it out, you know, we're probably a play-in team, maybe like the, the sixth seed, you know, type of yeah. thing. And and that's not really what the end goal is when you're, you're looking to dream a little bit higher. And some draft picks, all that could get us to that spot. I mean, look at a guy that we're talking about, the man of the hour, Andrew Nemhart, the 31st overall yeah. pick. That was a guy that was included in the Karis LeVert trade, not even supposed to be the centerpiece. We're still getting a, the you know a first round pick from Cleveland from that deal, so that deal's still paying off. Yeah, I mean, I tweeted this last night. I'm sure you were asleep by that point, but I said if all we get out of that Karis LeVert trade is Andrew Nimhard, worked out, then I do it ten out of ten times. Yep, absolutely. Nothing against LeVert, but I just think Nimhard fits this team better, this style better, this system better. I think he's a better on-ball defender already than Karis LeVert. Um, their shooting's probably, I don't know, I'd say Nimhart's probably a better spot-up shooter than LeVert was, but, you know, not the same player whatsoever. But I just think with what this team is trying to do and where they're going, you you take Nimhart 10 times out of 10 times over LeVert for this Pacers team, and it's just really fun to, to see this team going the way they're going. But, yeah, once again, I really thought Bob brought some great points up, talking about Nimhart being a chameleon. Um, that, that was a great analogy. I've heard that uh, elsewhere too. My friend Eddie Garrison was on Locked On Pacers and he brought that up too. And I mean, it's just a great point. Eddie does all the producing for the Pacers radio game. So uh, really good guy. Shout out Eddie Garrison. We'll have him on the, we'll have him on the show soon eventually. But um, yeah, I just think overall though, Foch, this is, a, this is a team that's clicking on all cylinders at the right time. Early in the season, they're developing probably the best team chemistry. In the NBA right now, I just feel like they are all connected and like playing for one another. Um, I, I was texting my friends today, and I don't know if you feel the same way. I said, look, I, I agree that this team will probably end up in the lottery getting a top 10 pick when the season's all said and done. But there's this part of me that also screams, we believe Warriors all over again. Hey, that's that's kind of a good analogy because right now I find it hard to believe that this team's going to find themselves – Picking top four, I can't see it happening. I don't see them just bottoming out. the lottery out. gods help them out. Yeah, but I mean, I can't see them <laughs> just bottoming out. And I know that there's still three-fourths of the season to be played. 
but there is something special that we're doing right now. It's like this, like they really are all playing for each other. And I feel like that's that's translated to the court. They're having fun. They're winning some games that maybe you really don't expect them to win. And, and that the games that you do expect them to win, they're taking care of business. So yeah. that game against the Clippers, I thought that was going to be more of the feeling that we were going to get this year on a more routine basis. And it's really only happened like once or twice. I mean, we played bad against Chicago, played bad against the Clippers. Other than that, you could mix in San Antonio game wasn't good. We're talking yeah. about three games out of basically 20. That, yeah. that a lot of teams would, would like those odds. Yeah, for sure. I mean, right now the Pacers are on pace to win 48 to 50 games this season if they continue to play at this level. So we'll see how that goes. Like I said earlier, third toughest schedule remaining right now. So um, just, just hoping the guys continue to d- develop good habits, right? Uh, a, a good culture like me and you. I don't care about the wins and losses if we're totally off on that. I mean, it's just a fun little exercise to do for a podcast. Uh, it's not like gospel or anything like that. So, uh, But with that being said, I think this is a good time to wrap it up, Fachi. We've been talking about this team for a while here on the podcast. Just a lot to be excited about because oh, of that yeah. huge win. So let the people know where they can find us out on social media. Absolutely. So you can find us on Twitter at SetiThePakes3. You can find Alex on Twitter at AlexGoldenNBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. You can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace. And Alex, tell them where they can check us out on YouTube. You can check us out on YouTube at youtube.com slash Setting the Pace of Pacers Podcast, where you can hear this interview with Bob Kravitz on our YouTube page. So if you're not subscribed, hit that subscribe button. We're trying to get to 1,000 by the end of the year. We're going to do a giveaway if we get there, but we haven't really pushed it too, too much, okay? But that's the plan. I mean, maybe the end of the year is kind of tough since we only got a month left. But by the end of the season, yeah, for sure, if we can get to a thousand, we'll do some special stuff. And we apologize. The fan of the week has been very hard to schedule because we have been really busy. Okay, so it'll probably have to wait till December for us to get back on track with that. Um, I'll be going out of town very quickly on Thursday after we record a, a post game podcast after the Kings game. So wanted to give you all a heads up. But with that being said, Fachi. If Andrew Nimhart is your favorite second round pick in Pacers history, then say these three words. Let's go Pacers! Rebound Halliburton, three seconds to go, drives to the wing, Nimhart beat the clock, and it's over! Nimhart beat the clock with a three from out on the left edge as time expires! Setting the pace, going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team, we go